Welcome to Sales is Not Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pressure pitching or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is with Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is a passionate and inspiring artist, writer, public speaker, consultant, independent scholar, and visionary educator. Patrick has over four decades of experience teaching and facilitating deep learning to a wide range of audiences. And he's an accomplished artist with many works in galleries and private collections, as well as a black belt in karate. So he's not just an artist in hobby, in practice, and very accomplished as far as business goes also. His comprehension, experience, expertise, and synthesis of creativity and innovation is unparalleled. He's the founder and president of Satori Innovation, a consulting and ideation accelerator. Let's go. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Thank you, Alicia. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited you're here, Patrick, because you have insight on such an interesting and universal <laughs> challenge for business owners, which is I can't figure out how to solve this no matter what way I look at it whatever the problem is, whether it's tangible or intangible, and you allow, you provide processes and prompts that are the catalyst for that kind of problem solving to happen, no matter, quote unquote, what they've tried before. Exactly. That, yes. Exactly. No matter, no matter how stuck you are, you can, you can find your path out of stuckness. So, so there's, uh, sometimes it's better to get more stuck so you know how stuck you are and then you, you d start to discover the options of becoming unstuck. Mm, that's such an interesting frame. And I think it's really important to note everybody that although Patrick is an accomplished artist, this has nothing to do with showing you how to be an artist. If anything, it's how to be a problem solving artist. True. So how did you find out that you had this ability to help people creatively solve problems? Because it's really unique. Yes, it is. It's, it's from a long uh, process of teaching, basically. Hmm. I, I began teaching. My first experience teaching was when I was in high school and I taught uh, figure skating to grade schoolers. It was a whole organization here in Omaha, actually, where I grew up. And, and I was asked to help with the youngest, uh, the beginners of figure skating, of ice skating. And so I spent uh, my high school years teaching gr not only grade schoolers, but also special ed kids, as we called them back then. Uh, so that was, that was extra uh, an extra focus on how to get across information, uh, kinesthetic information that's sometimes challenging for nine-year-olds, eight and nine-year-olds, but then also how to get across the concept and, and describe it in the best way. And then through college, I did uh, bits and pieces of, of uh, visiting artist programs. And then after college, I did 
both visiting artist programs and artist in residence programs. And I began to teach karate and then eventually uh, co-teach Aikido. And in those, all of those situations, I was aware of how children learn and how adults learn. And I started noticing the difference. I started noticing where children are stuck and where adults are stuck and then how to help them find their way out of their stuckness, so to speak. And, and then a few, a few years ago, I was hanging out with a bunch of people in Boulder who were entrepreneurs, which is no surprise. And I would talk about the, the processes that I experience as an artist, and I know that other artists uh, work through, and they were starting to say, well, that, that's gonna, that actually helps me think about my, the project that I'm working on. So I started to think, wow, if, if these folks are getting a benefit out of my ideas about how to nurture and refine and restore our own personal independent creativity, then I might as well start seeing if there are other people who are interested in that. And sure enough, there are. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting and intense process to reconnect people with, with their creativity. It, it's uh, super rewarding, not only to business, but also to your, your life in general. And even though I'm not focusing on people making art, Sometimes people think, you know what? I wrote poetry when I was like 10 or 12 years old. I think I might get back into that. And of course that will assist them furthering their uh, innovation work within their, if they're an entrepreneur or if they're on a business team or whatever uh, business focus that they have. It's going to add, add a little bit of something more to uh, them being able to get unstuck so to speak. It's basically like <clears throat> guiding them to innovate. Yes. Yeah. All innovation comes from creativity. It's not the other way around. You don't innovate stuff. And then at the end of that, you're, you do something creative, the creative, the creative thinking and the creative awareness has to come first. When we talked before, I talked about the, I, the light bulb coming on and creativity happens before the light bulb during the light bulb and after the light bulb. And you, in a great way, said, well, it's the electricity that connects it all. And it's, that's exactly what, what it is. And that's, in a, in a word, or not in a word, but in a way of describing it, that's, I supply people knowing how to find their own electricity. Does that make sense? It does. And I hope that I mean, I know that I feel like this sometimes when just nothing seems to be lighting me up. That is due to a lack of creativity is what it sounds like. Sure, sure. It, well, it's a it's I wouldn't say it's a lack of creativity because the creativity is there. It can't mm -hmm. go anywhere. It's always accessible to you. It's just that uh, if you're if you're feeling stuck, or you can't get anywhere and you don't know what what to do next, it, you don't need to worry that you don't have the creativity to get out of that because it's already there. It can't go anywhere, right? You're, it's, it's endemic to being a human being. We're creative. 
So it's just a matter of looking at all the different uh, options that you have to get unstuck. As, as an artist for 50 plus years, I know, I, to be honest, I rarely get stuck and I rarely feel stuck. I, sometimes I feel like, wow, what am I going to do here with a painting or over here with a painting? But I know all I have to do is, is tune in, take a walk, look through some books, read some, do some breathing. There are all kinds of ways that I naturally turn to, to for better word, to get unstuck or to, to, or to move forward uh, in the best possible way. So people, the, the important part is for people to understand that they always have the creativity. They don't have to go anywhere to find it. It's already inside, but it's the ways in which people begin to make that bridge internally with their electricity to make the light bulb go on. Right, and you help them build that bridge. And there's something you said in the beginning that I kind of want to go back to. Mm. You said that there are ways, common ways, that adults get stuck. What yes. are the patterns that you've noticed that keep adults stuck other than not knowing, obviously like not knowing how to tap into the source of creativity that lives in them? Is there something more specific than that that's like a symptom we all share? Like this yeah. is when we're getting stuck, we know. Yeah, the biggest one is uh, thinking too much, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, it's just so much, it, it's almost like a, an avalanche of thinking. Because the more you think you're stuck, the more you think about it. And the more you think about your being stuck, the more you're thinking about being stuck. It, so it, it's just a, a never-ending avalanche. It's like a circular avalanche. Uh, so part of it is assisting people stepping out of the way, if, if that makes sense. So... As, as a martial artist, when a punch is coming to hit me in the face, the mm -hmm. smartest thing to do is to step out of the way so it doesn't hit you. Mm -hmm. So in a way, we're stepping away, we're stepping out of the way of ourselves, thinking at ourselves too much. Does that make sense? Our thinking becomes like a fist <laughs> coming at us, and we freeze and we get hit by all this... Uh, Overthinking, chatter. I know Mental everybody chatter. that I'm talking about is knows it's like, oh, I know when I'm, I'm just spinning in chatter, in mental chatter. Step out of the way. And stepping out of the way, there's all kinds of ways to step out of the way, which I introduce people to. Some, lots of people already know some of these things. I mean, there's, there's so much information now about get up out of your chair and just walk around or stand up and write or do whatever you need to be doing while standing. Those will break things up. Our bodies are super important in becoming unstuck because part of it is that we get, we, we just collapse into that stuck space. And that basically in a way that freezes you, 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 you just sit there and your mind spins. So get up, walk around, get some fresh air. You know, all these things make sense. And, but there are other, uh, in a way, more sophisticated, but then 
they're all not complicated processes that you can use to to not be as uh, collapsed. Well, when we talked before, you brought up some really interesting ideas that I had not heard of before, as far as like, you know, you're talking about getting up or breathing exercises. And these are things that we've heard, but you brought up some ideas that I never heard. But before we get to those, I can say that I know what you're talking about regarding adults overthinking, because I recently was at an event with a 16 year old kid. We had to go up onto a high ropes course and every adult was just peeing themselves because we're all overthinking it, right? Like, oh my God, it's so tall. And like, what could happen? This little kid just scampers right up and, and does it all. And it's funny because you could see in a group activity when we had to do team activities, Mm. he, he also did not think and would just go and the whole team would be penalized. Sure. Because of whatever choice he was making without thinking. (laughs) Right. So it's like the alternative. And so there's like pros and cons to both. I'm guessing that when the kids get stuck, like what's their pattern? So adults are overthinking. What is the pattern when the child is stuck? It's not thinking, I'm guessing. Well, it's it's a kind. Well, in a way, it's a kind of thinking, but it's a kind of uh, judgment. So they're in in a way you're you're right on task with this because the the children often are then comparing themselves to what they think an adult would be able to do oh so this is this this happens in uh physical uh teaching like teaching ice skating or karate or aikido but it also happens within you know in my domain teaching uh drawing or painting so Children, and, and it depends on the age too. So anywhere after about 10 or 12 years old, then the children are going to stop themselves because they don't think that they can perform at the, at the level that they think. And that thinking is mostly in comparison to what adults are able to do. But if it's a five, six, seven-year-old, they'll just do it. So their stuckness, let me let me think about that. I'll, I'll have to. We can come back to it if it if it pops into my mind where I've seen. Uh, if the task is too difficult, then that's when they get stuck, or in a way when it's too easy, and it it may not look like stuckness, but it's it's just like uh, I, I don't want to do that because it's too too easy. It's like lack of enthusiasm. Yeah. Like whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, and that makes sense. So they're doing it, they're going through some comparisonitis and I've actually heard some of this in um parenting. Like if you if you look at a kid and say, "Oh wow, look, you're doing so well." They'll immediately stop performing well because they're scared that they have to maintain a level of performance or something. But if yeah. you say like, "That was so hard and you kept going." Right. There there's a lot yeah. of of well, theory and and practice around how to best encourage children. So with adults, is it kind of, I mean, adults are comparing themselves all the time too. All the time, yeah. And, and it's, and to be honest, it's very similar that they're, because we all have that inner child still with us. Right. So it is, uh, it's both influencing and informing us, which 
which both of those can be good, but both of them can be detrimental. That we can get information that we didn't do so well uh, during our childhood and that can stop us. Or sometimes we can get information that we're not doing so well and that will push us forward. It, it's a, mm. it's a balance in a, that's why teachers are so important. Good teachers. Yeah. So a good teacher and, and good teaching relies on having 10 to 12 students. All right. In our world, that is not how classrooms are set up on, yeah, on every scale, 30 kids. You can't, you're just maintaining discipline in a way Mm -hmm. and, and barely getting through any kind of uh, curriculum. And that's a whole other world to to talk about the difference between education and learning. So, uh, so it's, there's so much in that, in that realm of, of how, uh, the words you use make it. Yes, exactly. So bringing it back to adults, you have some really interesting ways beyond breathing practices and journaling prompts, although those of course are helpful, but there are people listening who are like, I've done the affirmations and I've done the getting up and walking around and I've done the breathing and meditation exercises. And I still can't solve this freaking problem. And so when that happens, what are some examples of, of ideas? And I know it definitely depends on what the problem is and who they are and that kind of thing. It's customized to them. But what are some examples of a way that kind of gets somebody out of that rut? Sure, sure. And, and help me out. I'll, I'll start in one area. And then if from your notes, if you... Okay. Remember some some of the others, then then that's fine. I may I may remember most of them, but so one of the biggest uh, prompts that I have uh, felt is successful is to I, I call it cross domain or domain shifting. So uh, if you're if you're just if you're just working on on an issue and you're stuck, then, then take some time. And, uh, if there's a a jazz lounge, go to the jazz lounge, take your journal with you and whatever project or design or widget, whatever you're working on, have that in your consciousness. So as an example, when I go to listen to jazz, whatever painting or paintings and drawings that I'm working on, they're still in my consciousness. They're still in my field of awareness. So the music and my uh, vision of what I'm working on, they're intermingling. Just as your widget ideas or your, your uh, programming that you're working on or some design that you're working on, keep it in your consciousness. And, and that takes practice. But sit and listen to the music and think about the widget that you're designing and the, the intermingling of creativity will happen. So you know you're going to be with creative people when you're in a listening to jazz. You know when another prompt is to go to a museum. You know when you're in the museum that you're looking all around you and there's a lot of creativity. So you're... You're in the pool, in a way, 
you're in the atmosphere of creativity. So that's that's essentially going to lift your creativity up. It's gonna it's gonna uh, stir it up, energize it, and spark things. I I prompt people to go to poetry readings or poetry slams to to go. It's more fun with people. Each of these uh, to go and look at architecture that's in your city or in your town, whatever it might be, something that is significant, and go there and look at why. Why is it significant? Why is this special? What is it about this building? And look at it as a building. Look at the inside. Look at the outside. Look at how people relate to it. Those will all stir ideas for you with respect to the widget or the project that you're working on. Uh, I also go to dance, go to classical, a classical music concert. There, there's all these ways in which to surround yourself by, by creative, uh, both creative people and, and a creative history. When you're in a museum, you're filled with art history, even if it's a contemporary show, if it's a good contemporary show, then there's a, the artist has a relationship to art history. So you're surrounding yourself with, with the creative and that, that spurs you on, that, that gets you unstuck as does walking in nature. And not only just walk in nature, but walk in nature thinking and feeling about your project, whatever you're working on. Another exercise I do is called push hands. And this comes from martial arts, mainly from Chinese martial arts. And it's when two people, they put their hands uh, back to back and literally they, uh, push and receive hmm. the the physical tension but also there's a there's an energetic quality to the practice that you you start to read and you can me as the as the instructor can see where people are tense if they're if their shoulders are way up by their ears or if they're if they're not moving their hands much and their arms are stiff those are all signs of the prompt to, yeah, to release and start breathing and just relax. And as we relax, as we let the tension out of our body, we are more open to receiving creative ideas, creative uh, uh, inspiration. Inspiration does not arrive in a body that's all tight. I don't, th I don't think it can happen. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have any evidence on this, but that this is pretty much my 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 uh, proposal is that bodies need to be relaxed to receive inspiration. Well, it makes a bunch of sense. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, especially if the body is a reflection of what's going on internally in your mind, then it would indicate that there's a tense mind. Absolutely. And I just love the idea of going to these creative processes with your issue in your mind at the same time, because I think that people go to these creative experiences, but they're like completely in the creative side of their brain when they're at the experience. They're totally. not in the, the thinking right, figuring outside. Exactly. And that's where they're missing the opportunity. Right. Is to totally. Like, blend the brains. And I mean, we hear this all the time, you know, like maybe it's in a story or like how a new business was created. It's like, 
I was at the park and I saw these squirrels and they were foraging nuts and I saw them build a, a foraging hole in the weirdest spot. And it made me realize, you know, like it's just the weirdest path to exactly. innovation. Almost, I would, I would venture and say that it's probably more than this, but 90% of all innovation is like that. Those are the light bulb moments. It's not in a meeting. You know, you and I can, you can, we can schedule a meeting with a team next week on Tuesday, nine o'clock to innovate. And I guarantee you nothing is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It happens in the most amazing places. So, and there's the, 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 there's literature upon books upon books with this theme of how people, the light bulb comes on. It's like, oh, I get it. So it's just such a cool idea to to be able to I don't know if manufacture innovation is the right way to put it, but the fact that you could create it by placing yourself in the right situations with the right mindset. Yes. So there's a there's a famous quote by uh, Louis Pasteur that I have altered it, but I'll give you not in the French, but I'll give you the kind of the translation. It is in the fields of observation, chance favors the prepared mind. Mm. So in the field of innovation or the, in the field of entrepreneurship, chance favors the prepared mind. So the, the moment of inspiration, we can't control that. It is some way it's up to chance. But I'm all about preparing ourselves. Like when we talked before, I talked about my studio. My studio is prepared for me to be creative. I don't have to prepare my studio every single time that I walk into it. That would be crazy. It is prepared. And sure, I, I, I change it around. I move things around. But in essentially, all the things are there prepared for me to, to receive the chance experiences. And they're not, they're not, you know, it gets a little tricky because they're not, they're not totally chance, right? We're bringing a lot to the, the, we're, we're acting as a, as a, as a, as an antenna, as an antenna kind of getting, getting information and we're, we're participating. Picasso said, inspiration finds you working. That's what I was thinking is like, if you could swap maybe the word chance out with inspiration, because mm. chance almost sounds like luck a little bit. True. And like, you know, he was talking 150 years ago. Yeah. And in French. <laughs> so, so probably has a different context around it in yeah, that language. For sure. Um, but that makes sense that like, you know, it's kind of like I, I've heard too, that like your mind can be fertile for good thoughts and fertile for bad thoughts and totally. it's fertile for bad thoughts. Somebody says something bad to you and that thing just grows like, oh, yeah. sure. So it sounds very similar. Are you fertile for inspiration? Absolutely. And you, it's, it's a, it's a conscious decision. You, you to exactly what you just said, because when often when people are stuck, they're, they're fertile. They're, they're, they're creating a fertile groundwork for more stuckness, right? 
There, it's yes. just a garden gone crazy with stuck. And so we have to choose and it takes practice choosing to essentially choosing to be creative takes practice. And I can't, I can't say how much practice for any individual. Some individuals nail it. Some, some don't. It, it, it truly just depends on, on uh, the framework. And, but the more you put yourself in the mindset of being creative and being open to creativity, then you're building your fertile garden of, of innovation and, and creativity. Okay. And for the people, what about the people who are like, I'm a numbers person. I am very black and white. I'm an engineer. I don't even understand art. I go to museum and I'm like, what is the point of this? Or like, I hate jazz music. Like what about those people? Because I know creativity lives in all of us and it probably just takes different forms depending on the antenna you have or sure. how you're channeling it or whatever is, is that accurate? Do you, do you ever come in contact with somebody who is so averse to the idea that they could ever be creative? Oh yeah, totally. All the time. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So, and, and I've developed, uh, you know, we didn't, I don't think we talked about it before, but I've, I've mentioned my philosophy of creativity and within that I have a whole, uh, description of why we misplace our creativity and then how to get it back. But often people, I call it, uh, people who are in their creative void, they've left, usually in childhood, they've left their connection to creativity. And that those are the people that say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I never, I can't draw, I can't play music, anything like that. I come across that often and I encourage them to realize that they do have creativity. It may not look like anything else that anybody else does, but they have it. And it's, it's a, that's kind of the first barrier to get, to get through is people saying, well, yeah, you know, I might have some creativity and little, uh, little celebrations within exercises will show them. Yeah, they can. I described, I, uh, it's one of my Instagram sites, uh, PMW creativity that I draw this year, I'm drawing three circles and I'm making marks. And that's one of the exercises for specifically those engineers or people that are really in their heads is simply draw three circles and make marks. And then after five minutes, get another piece of paper. And this can be print paper. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Make three circles or make two circles and make marks. And just repeat that maybe 10 times in, in the first uh, session that they do this exercise. And that, that allows people to relax and uh, attempt to not put pressure on them, but mm. it allows them to, to make, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do this exercise. I just want people to, to explore how many different kinds of marks they can make in whatever way that they can think to make them in relationship 
to the two circles that they draw on their piece of paper. No other, no other prompts or rules are there to the exercise. And, and this, as I told you last time, for me doing the exercise, it's, it's, a, it's a process to surprise myself. So can I, after doing all, you know, all of my life basically drawing, then to give myself these very specific exercises, draw, this year I'm drawing three circles, last year I drew two circles, and the year before that I did color with two circles. So it's, I've given myself different, slightly different uh, uh, rules to my prompt, but it does surprise me. I find like, oh, that's, that's a, I love that drawing today. And so I do one each morning and then I post it to Instagram. And in a group, I would, I wouldn't, that's one of the exercises we do. We get, you know, a bunch of paper and you, you can put little squares, four little squares on your, your print paper and just do the exercise in each one of those squares so you don't have to use an entire piece of paper. So we do those exercises and it allows people to, you said it earlier, to, to not, to get away from their thinking think. brain. Yeah, yeah not get, think. Just get out of their head and start like moving with their heart. Kind of like when I was on those high ropes courses, when I stopped thinking about it and I just put one foot in front of the other, I knew what to do. So it's like yes. getting into that flow almost. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's like five different ways to do math and I'm sure there's a lot more. So oh. even if you're like an accountant who loves numbers, you know, you could, there's plenty of room for creativity with numbers. Plenty of room. Yeah. Legally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, not, when, not even illegally. Legally. Right, right. Legally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and, and doing the exercise, I can, again, it's like push hands. I can see where people have tension in their body or uh, how tightly they're holding their pen or pencil. Those things are informative and I can pass that on to someone. I can say, wow, just take a, take a few breaths, relax your shoulders and just move your pen around and it, you will start to discover, oh, I can make lines this way. I can make marks this way. I can do circles. I can, all these different shapes and, and, and marks will begin to come out. And once that starts to happen, then the person gets involved with the exercise. Does that make sense? Yeah, before they were overthinking it. And yes, again, right, right. Yeah. And that's where the Magic. unstuckness comes from. That's where the creativity and that's where the innovation comes from is when they get out of their way. Well, I think, I hope everybody who's listening can think of a time when they, well, it's almost like a place, the mental state that you're talking about almost feels like a place for me, like mm. you've arrived and now you're in the flow and you can just feel it's an absolute shift in how you're receiving or information maybe is coming out of you. Kind of like you said, there's always the source and you're just, so many people have completely lost the ability to tap it. Right. So in, as I said earlier, my philosophy of creativity, I talk about the first level of it is creative colonization. So when we're children, 
we and we get in it it doesn't only happen in school it happens at home and it happens out in the world but we are essentially pushed further and further away from our play imagination and creativity mm -hmm. and that is a type of colonization and i i it's a strong word and i and i chose it to be strong because it's it's what I have seen and what I really feel happens to children. It happens to all of us. Mm. Is that we, we begin to have less and less involvement in our play and creativity. And that is a kind of, of, of takeover of our psyche, of our consciousness and our mm. learning. And it's a kind of colonization. And at some point, it's either through attrition or an event and I've spoken to a lot of people who have a very specific event. They can say the name of the teacher. They know what time of day it was. They know what happened in the classroom right before, at the moment it happened, and then afterwards. They stop whatever creative process. They stop drawing. They stop singing. They stop dancing. They stop playing their musical instrument. But it's it's... I call creative collapse. It's when a child decides, I'm not gonna do that anymore because I, I felt so bad, I felt humiliated, my friends made fun of me, my teacher made fun of me, my sisters or brothers or my you know, friends or whomever. And you know, kids are super powerful. And yeah. if they decide, nope, I'm not gonna do that, then it's over. And sometimes creative collapse can last a week and then they're back at it. But often that's it. They they entered that space that I call the creative void and that's where they're at. And it takes something, something uh, they could experience a sunset, they could experience a concert, they could experience watching their child dance a recital for the first time and that opens them back up to their involvement with dance. So the creative void can come to an end, and that's part of what I do with people, is to assist them to step out of that, that dark void, the, the creative void, and re-engage their creativity that is, like I said, it's still there. It's just been in, in stasis, right? It's kind of, yeah, it's been asleep. And, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm the person who nudges it nudges them so they can wake up to it again. And it can affect so many things, anything in life, like your how you're approaching your relationships, how you're approaching your business, how you're approaching your job. Like Absolutely. I know so many people that are just in a passionless place. Mm. And so I think that that's a really great stopping point for us. And so we've reached to the end of yet another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Thanks again to Patrick for making an appearance as our guest today. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Sure. I can be reached at uh, Satori Innovation. And that is, that's where it can also be uh, put in as uh, Patrick Williams Stay Creative. The, that's the actual domain name, and Satori Innovation gets pointed uh, to that. But I like Satori Innovation. It's a better sounding name. So Satori Innovation and Patrick Williams. Patrick at patrickwilliams.com is my direct email. I'd love to hear from people. 
and uh, hear, hear your ideas and, and what, where you're stuck. I can also please visit uh, PMW Creativity. That's one of my Instagram sites. And the other Instagram site is PMW under slash camera. And that is also an exercise that I do with people uh, with respect to taking photographs. That's very fun that uh, we didn't get to, but I, I can tell people about it when, when if they're interested. And then I have two art sites, uh, celebrationflowerpaintings.com and my uh, personal, my main art site is patrickwilliams.com. That is amazing. I hope that you guys go and check that out. We're gonna put it in the show notes so you can go look there. Uh, I have not met anyone with Patrick's approach to innovation and I think it's so powerful. So go check him out. And this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pressure pitching or pretending to be someone else. And if you're looking to level up your sales calls, book a sales level up call in the show notes. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time.